0: namaste everyone and welcome back thank you for tuning into this podcast series i'm Maithili and i'm really really grateful to have you on board Uh, so in this podcast i'm going to neatly summarize some of the key ideas that we have discussed so far but do not worry it's going to be very interesting so firstly science had become a platform or an elevated platform to view all religions equally and to abuse them this siding with uh, science also comes with a patronizing stance of humanism which plays into the dynamics of reason versus uh, superstition freedom versus bondage now it is very very important to note that this is how the european enlightenment progressed these are not indic ideas This is how Europe progressed to be a more inclusive and accepting and more civilized society. European fight against the tyranny of institutions that were unscientific, that is um, organized religion of the church, led them to formulate the codes of liberty, equality, fraternity. When the same model is superimposed on Indian society, what we get is chaos, utter chaos. For example, just look at our judiciary, just look at the justice system that we have in this country today. Simply because the basis of organization in an Indian society is not a book, a single book that gives the dictum of God and from whom the, uh, the justice flows. There are no commandments or prophets in a dharmic setting. There is an examination of everything that you come across and there is experience. There exists a variety of schools of thought including Dvaita, philosophy, Advaita Vedanta, Sankhya, Mimamsa, Nyaya, Yoga, Tantra and many more. And we are, sh- we are free to have a pick and choose and study all of them or one of them. The premise of an Indic society is not obedience. Now, what if I tear up the Indian forms of organization against the ideals of liberty, equality, fraternity, consciously or unconsciously, which were not ours in the first place? Sometimes, Uh, quote-unquote, death of democracy and hence its ideals is mourned and at other times, victory of democracy is celebrated in popular writings. You get it. India is a very absorbent country. We can assimilate anything to make it our own. But that shouldn't come at the cost of uh, deluding ourselves. Science as a method of objective inquiry should be followed and studied. Science as a means to find solutions to existing problems is extremely useful. Our jobs as dharmics or Hindus is to approach our Indic thought in a similar fashion. Yoga is nothing but a detailed study of inner sciences. Sankhya school of philosophy is supposed to provide expertise in human psychology. When are we going to step up and utilize this knowledge? What we need to understand is... Under the constant onslaught by invaders and later foreign ideas, we have been much embroiled in the survival game. For example, the so-called intellectual culture across the world, which has seen quite some infiltration by Marxists, holds a very sharp blade to our throats. The sharp blade is the measure of political correctness and progressiveness. If you move an inch closer, your throat will be slit. The first thing to do and realize in this scenario is to acknowledge that we are being held hostage to ideas that have no relevance to us whatsoever, and then come up with solutions to the problems of a very unique culture that refuses to die even after several onslaughts. Let us not depend on the state to provide for our every need, be it security, be it employment or education. Collaborative collective is the key for Hindu self-organization. Let me explain. Ashish Dhar, in one of his videos titled, quote, The Myth of Hindu Unity, says that Hindus unite over practical issues in order to solve a collective problem. Let's look around us. There are ample of issues to solve. We have rivers to clean, forests to protect, mandirs and vihars and Indic monuments to regenerate, Indic education or gurukals to revive and so much more. Let's join hands in, uh, over practical issues. This is how communities work in India. J. Sai Deepak, a Supreme Court advocate, gives a poignant argument as to why the local forum of governance, that is, cop's chief of the village, etc., play an important role outside the scope of the state. The state is ultimately a governing body that is trying to extend its reach, and along with it, the values of liberty, equality, fraternity. It is this exact, the division of power into legislative, judiciary and and, and executive branch of the government, uh, you know, this idea is because, because of French Revolution, which was a bloody affair. And we have discussed this in quite a detail in the previous podcasts. If you haven't checked them out yet, I encourage you to go through them. It is this blade of punishment, which can be equal to the guillotine sword and the measurement that the state carries with itself. In other words, uh, state assesses you if you are a criminal or not on the basis of this ideals of liberty, equality, fraternity that are very foreign to us. However, due to the assimilative character of the Indian mind, almost nothing is left black and white. The influence in the branches of state also depends on the active dharmic involvement in legislative executive and judiciary legislature executive and judiciary because we do live in a world where states dominate public discourse unfortunately these arms of a modern governance system should be utilized as an opportunity rather than an impediment for example Indic scholars under the, under the leadership of sai Deepak are focusing on interpreting the constitution of India as a dharmic document. Many say that this very constitution has been used to, dis, to, the, to the disadvantage of Hindus several times in post-independence India. But here lies the opportunity and organized effort to dharmicize the state. Sounds interesting, right? So let us all pick such many projects for ourselves. I hope I have done justice to the topic. Thank you f- so much for tuning in. I'm really glad to have you here. And until next time, Jesse Aram.